0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian video for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode The Biblical Satan, Devil, and Lucifer Explained. The origins of these words need to be examined, really, to understand what the Bible means by these terms. When attention is given to the context in the Bible where these words are actually used, we identify both the words and the meanings of the message. That God is absolute and he is not challenged by an evil monster, something that man has created to put fear Into those who would belong to their particular denomination. The Christadelphians are different. We examine the Bible for what it actually says. We examine the words and the context in which these phrases and words come into being. And so I hope you really enjoy this class. It's a thorough exposition of these three terms devil satan and lucifer the episode is presented by our friend and brother brother david fuller from the rugby ecclesia in the uk and it's about 35 36 minutes long and well worth your time hope you enjoy it god bless
1: Who or what is Satan, the devil, and Lucifer? If we were to look at uh, the definition that we see in Wikipedia, it says the following. Satan, also known as the devil, and sometimes called Lucifer in Christianity, is an entity in the Abrahamic religions that seduce humans into sin or falsehood. we would also read in the same set of definitions that in Christianity and Islam he's usually seen as a fallen angel that rebelled against God. So from these points in Wikipedia, if we, if we were to break down this into a number of points, firstly, it's stating really that Satan and the devil and Lucifer are an entity or some kind of being. Secondly, it's stating that he some way seduces or lures or tempts people into sin and thirdly that Satan the devil and Lucifer is some kind of fallen angel that is against God now if I was to go out into the road now and ask the same question of the passers-by of the definition that we just read in, in Wikipedia it is likely that the majority of people would probably say that they thought that that was correct but It's not just the understanding of the common man in the street who has this teaching, but also in many mainstream churches. It was reported in Reuters in October 2018 of the Pope Francis blaming Satan for the issues in the Catholic Church, for instance. Reuters reported that Francis is convinced that Satan is ultimately to blame for the abuse scandals and the divisions within the church. And also in a subsequent uh, article in the Guardian News in 2019, it's reported that Fr- Pope Francis said that those who consistently criticise the Catholic Church are friends of the devil. Speaking to the pilgrims in southern Italy, the pontiff said that, the de- that defects of the Church needed to, to be denounced so that, uh, so, so, that so that they could be corrected But those who condemned without love were linked with the devil. The Pope also accused of those saying, one cannot live a whole life accusing, accusing, accusing the church, he said. People who did this, he said, were the friends, cousins and relatives of the devil. Now certainly what we see in the pages in the press, is it seems that main churches and the leaders of these churches seem to agree with the definition of Satan the devil and Lucifer, as defined in Wikipedia. So we have to ask the question, what do we think of this? The truth is that what we've seen so far is not true. Satan, the devil and Lucifer are actually three distinct things in the Bible for which we'll see by way of example this evening. They are not the name of a fallen angel in fact, the Bible, there is no such thing as a fallen angel. But let us not dwell so much on these points. Let us focus on the truth of what Satan, the devil, and Lucifer really are. Before we go into these, let us make a point clear that we need to look at first. We need to look at the, the, um, the term sin. So what is Sin. So firstly, what is sin? It is the transgression or act against the ways and commandments of God. The first sin in the Bible and in the world came through Adam and Eve, as is recorded in the book of Genesis in chapters 2 and 3. In Genesis chapter 2 from verse 16, we read, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was the commandment that God gave. Through God's love, both Adam and Eve were given free will to make decisions. Then in Genesis chapter 3 from verse 6, it is recorded, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it also to her husband, and he did eat. The choice that they ultimately made was to eat the fruit of the tree, of which they were told not to. And so importantly, by the act of transgression, the nature of, uh, of man to sin, through our own free will, Came about. But additionally, with, with with that came the implications of their actions. Thou shalt surely die. Mortality also came to mankind. So let us now turn to the word Satan. For it I'd like to look at three examples this evening. For the first example, it comes in two parts. First, we need to turn to the Old Testament and Numbers chapter 22. It was in the book of Numbers in chapter 22, we read of a man, Balaam, who lives in the days of the children of Israel. Now Israel had set up a camp in the plains of Moab, east of Jordan. In the record we read that the king of Moab, Balak, when he heard what Israel had done to the Amorites, he and all his people were terrified. So, King Balak sent messages to summon Balaam. And the message that they bring is one of fear of Israel. For as they cover the face of the earth, as it says in Scripture, verse 5, and that Balaam should put a curse on the children of Israel. From Scripture it says, for they are too mighty. So in order that Israel might be defeated. As a reward for doing this, Balaam would receive payment. Balaam, who was a prophet, had been told by God not to give, on, give in on this mission to curse the Israelites. But ultimately, we read in the record, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. The significance of this account is the word adversary. In this case, the adversary was an angel of God, noticeably working in the service of God. So now we come to the second part of this example, we see this word adversary and look it up in the Strong's Concordance to see what the Hebrew word means. And I did that. And as we see on the screen, the word for adversary, an alternative meaning of that is Satan. And so Satan simply means an adversary or an enemy but says not the name of a person. So equally, as we read that verse from uh, Numbers 22, it could equally have been read, then God's anger was aroused because Balaam went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as Satan against him. It would mean the same thing. So uh, once again, let us note significantly that this angel was doing the work of God himself for himself and no other force. So with this understanding, let us look at a second example, but this time in the New Testament. The disciple Peter had just given his declaration of belief in Jesus, and as the, and as the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus was pronounced a blessing upon him as a result. But Jesus went on to speak of his own fate. He would have to go to Jerusalem and there the leaders of the Jews would seize him and he would be killed. But he would rise again on the third day And we read that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. Here, the Lord Jesus is speaking of his imminent death and resurrection, which, according to God's plan and purpose, was necessary. Peter could neither understand nor accept this and began to rebuke Jesus. God forbid, is is recorded in Scripture this shall never happen to you. In other words, you must not not think of such a thing. But Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. So we have to ask ourselves, why is Peter a Satan? Because he was being an adversary to Jesus. He was trying to persuade the Lord Jesus not to do what he knew had to be done in his obedience to the will of God. If Peter had had his way, Jesus would have rejected his father's will and his great sacrifice for sin upon the cross perhaps would never have taken place. So Jesus had to tell this adversary, Satan, to get behind me and then adds a comment which which is most important for our understanding. You are an adversary and a stumbling block to me, says Jesus. In effect, Peter, for your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now I'd like to come to a third example and consider in the book of Job. The book of Job is often used to prove that an entity known as Satan is responsible for the evil in the world, showing as it, it as seen that this is a Satan afflicted with various calamities. But what does the account really show us? The background to the book of Job centers on his prosperity and the family that he has for which he is grateful and faithful. The question posed is, would he remain faithful if he was to lose everything? Coming in in the book of Job in chapter 1, verse 6, we read, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, And Satan came also among them. And then in verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered, answered the Lord and said, Doth Job, Job, Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Hast thou blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth thine own hand, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee by thy face. So firstly, let us clarify who the sons of God are. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verse 10, we read of the Lord Jesus, as he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the, new, the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But then, most importantly in verse 12, we read, but as many as received him, To them gave he power to become the sons of God, to them to believe on his name. And in the first epistle of John, chapter 3, verse 1, we also read, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So who are the sons of God? These verses point to the sons of God being true believers, people, men, that truly followed God's principles. But being men are subject to men's failings, including envy and sin. So returning back to the record of Job in chapter 1 and verse 16. So who was this Satan in these verses? Well, we are not told specifically in the record, but what he does in these verses is to challenge God by stating that Job's faithfulness was due to the easy life he had had. Yet even as a great calamity comes upon Job, one thing is clear, that Job remains a righteous man. Even after the loss of all that he had, including his family. Importantly, what Job recognizes, which is of significance for this study, is what we read in Job chapter one, verses 20 and 21. It reads as follows. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped, and said naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job recognized that God is all powerful, and him alone. To give and to take away These events that occurred in Job's life were only the work of God. Nothing could happen unless God did it. This is confirmed in the writings from the book of the the prophet Isaiah, where we read in, in chapter 45, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me that they may know that from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. In Isaiah 45, it says no less than six times that there is no one except God. There is no God beside, my, beside me. So what we recognize from the book of Job is that there is a Satan figure in the book. But his character is one of a jealous servant of God, one of the sons of, of God, a man who looked at Job unfavorably. This Satan figure was an adversary to Job. But what is clear to Job and needs to be for each of us is that the power to bring good and bad things to the life of Job was always under the control of God himself and no other. Now dealing with the devil. This is a Greek term not a Hebrew one, and so it is found only in the New Testament. A key chapter that we should turn to that identifies the true meaning of the devil is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Reading from verse 14, it says the following... For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and of blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath power of death, that is, the devil. As we read this verse, it is clear that the apostle is writing about Jesus and his followers, and he calls the followers children, and that they are of flesh and blood. That is, they are ordinary men and women. In the same way, the Lord Jesus is shown to have the same nature also of flesh and blood. It is emphasized of Jesus that he he himself likewise partook of the same. This emphasizes that Jesus was a man in every respect, Tempted in all things, as we are all tempted through our own nature. We also read in this verse that Jesus destroyed the devil through death. Through his own death, by dying himself, and that the devil has the power of death. The question we might ask ourselves is how do we kill an enemy by killing ourselves. It is not the usual way to win a battle. If Jesus' purpose was to destroy a powerful enemy, would he not have done better to have, had a, to have been, had a strong, immortal nature like the angels? But he didn't. So what was Jesus doing by sharing in the weak nature of flesh and blood? Why would this be the case? Clearly the devil of the Bible must be something quite different from the idea of the devil usually held as some kind of fallen angel with power. To try to unravel this, let's reference another chapter in the book of Hebrews. In chapter 9 from verse 26. Reading Hebrews 9 from verse 26, it reads as follows. And then would have... Sorry. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and as it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, this the judgment so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly await for him He will appear a second time, apart from sin for salvation. If we compare the verses of Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 9, they give the same message. The sacrifice of himself clearly means the same as through his own death. Putting these verses together, we get a clearer understanding. Through this comparison, we see that destroying the devil is the same as putting away sin. The devil then is referring to human nature that rebels against godly principles that the Bible calls sin. So when we read in Hebrews 2 verse 14 that the devil had the power of death, we need to look at other verses in scripture to build on what we have just read. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here, it is as if sin is a master who pays his servants' wages, but the payment for them for their service is death. This verse is not speaking of a literal master, but is an example of personification. That is something that is spoken of as if it were a person, but in fact it is not. Here sin is personified, and clearly it is the sin that has the power of death. And so in the message of the Bible, it is far simpler than many people try to portray. The real devil in the Bible is sin. Once we come to this understanding, we can see that the great enemy of God is not some fallen angel. Now the Bible is clear. From the first pages of the book of Genesis to the concluding chapters of Revelation, there is one stubborn (coughs) enemy of the purpose of God, the human heart and mind, the will of men and women everywhere to satisfy their own desires. That is the devil that needs to be overcome. The natural tendencies of our nature are set out very strongly by the Apostle Paul in his letters to the Romans. He contrasts the life in service to God, the spirit, with the life spent satisfying natural desires, the flesh. In Romans 8, verse 6, he declares, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit, that is of God, is life and peace. So there are two ways we can choose to live. Trying to do the will of God, that is, that our minds and our thoughts are living in the ways of God. or doing the will that is contrary to God that is, to live a sinful life. And as we read in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the consequences of living a life, to live a sinful life, is ultimately death eternally. But if we try to live a life according to God's ways, then through the grace of God, that leads to life eternally in his kingdom to come. finally, Let us consider Lucifer. Often considered by some to be that they call a fallen angel. As with many areas of scripture, misinterpretation comes about by not seeing the full context of a biblical verse. Indeed, if we were to turn to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, which is the one and only place that we read of Lucifer. We would read, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? These words can easily be interpreted incorrectly. Before turning to Isaiah 14 to look at this in a fuller context, let us consider first the word Lucifer. If we were to look at the meaning of the Strong's Concordance, we would see the following. Lucifer, Venus, the morning star. The morning star, the name given to the planet Venus. When the sun is rising, the morning sky shows a bright star in the east. The the planet is brighter than any other object in the sky, except the sun and the moon. But in order that we understand the true meaning of that statement, We need to begin at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 14. The chapter opens in the mercy to the nations of Israel to set them in their own land. The children of Israel who had been taken out of the land to Babylon due to their iniquities before God. But by God's mercy they are returned after 70 years of captivity. Then, in verse 3, that the Lord will give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. And verse 4, we are introduced to the man at the focus of this chapter, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and his downfall. The king of Babylon had ruled with such power and ferocity, destroying nations that stood before him. Verse 4, Thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How has the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. Here we are given a parable or a proverb of the king of Babylon. And from verse, verse uh, sorry, 6, how he smote the people in wrath, in a continual stroke, that he ruled nations in anger. Verse six depicts the way that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had ruled and treated all the other nations with an army that overcame and destroyed all that came before it. But as we turn to verse nine, this Babylonian empire would ultimately fall, as described in the prophecy of the book of Daniel in chapters 2 and 7. So in verse 9 of Isaiah, we read, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Hell or Sheol, that is the grave, is where the king of Babylon would be going at his downfall. But to be clear, Not the hell, the imaginary place of torment that is the pagan fiction of Babylonian origin, but the grave. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, would go to the grave. So verse 10, we read, of all the power, the nation of Babylon becoming a nation no longer of all-consuming power. In fact, we read, The question is asked to Babylon, art thou become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? The pomp is brought down to the grave, as we read in verse 11. The pomp or vain or ostentatious displays that have been seen in the past will be no more and will die. And so with this context, we come to read of Lucifer meaning the morning star, the brightest star in the sky. It is appropriate for the once nation that rose up above all nations, that shone apart from all the others in all of its military campaigns. But here would be prophesied to fall from a great height of the heavens. But not the heavens of God, but the political heavens of this earth. So, this is the meaning of Lucifer. The king of Babylon, the one that shone above all other kings through fearsome rule, would fall from power. Lucifer is no fallen angel. Lucifer, as we see in the context of Isaiah 14, represented the downfall of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And so let us summarize what we have looked at today. Firstly, the general understanding of what Satan, the devil and Lucifer is and is mistaken of. The belief that he is a fallen angel with power is totally misplaced and goes against God's teachings in his word. Satan is just an adversary, often to God's principles, his plans and his purpose but not always, as we saw in the record of the angel and Balaam. The disciple Peter is a good example of this also. Although one of the Lord Jesus' closest disciples, he was a Satan figure when it came to those last hours of the Lord Jesus' life, before his sacrifice. In the book of Job, by way of example, we saw a Satan figure and yet, he was not as the common, common understanding of Satan. He was an adversary to Job, one of the sons of God, but he had no power. It was only God that had the ultimate power to bring bo- both good and bad events to Job's life. And Lucifer. Lucifer is not a fallen angel. And we read in the context Context of Isaiah chapter 14, the fall of the nation of Babylon, that mighty nation of the world, ruled by Nebuchadnezzar that shone above all others in worldly terms. And the devil. We have seen, although in scripture it sometimes seems that the devil is a person, what it really is, is the personification of sin. And this is strongly brought out in the readings of the book, in the book of Hebrews. If we understand that our nature is to ignore God's will and to follow our own desires and to seek our own satisfactions, then we are in a position to seek first the things of God and to realize our need for forgiveness and our need for God and his only begotten Son. The more we realize our own desperate need of deliverance from the natural state in which we live, the more we shall appreciate how precious is the gospel which Christ preached. And so finally, should we fear the devil? Yes, definitely but not the devil of popular belief. Our devil is inside ourselves, in our own hearts and minds, our fleshly desires, our natural tendency to sin. But once we understand that and accept it, we shall be able to rejoice in the great offer of life which God makes for us in his word through the sacrifice of his son. Amen.